Welcome back to your home inspector training. I am Garth Haslam, the home medic. This time around, we are going to talk about how to inspect and what to expect from drinking water wells. Now, depending on where you live, you may have wells at every other house you inspect, or maybe it's one in a hundred. In either case, you're going to be expected to know your way around the well. And yes, you can and always should be perfectly willing to refer certain issues to a higher authority, but you're going to be expected to know the basic set of information. So I'm here to help you with that today. So the parts of a well, we probably should start there. You're going to have the borehole itself that's going to be probably protected with a steel pipe that goes down anywhere from who knows, it could be 10 to 30 feet if you've got a dug well. And we're going to get into that. You can have driven and drilled wells. We're going to talk about that. But you're going to have that borehole. They're going to protect that hole using steel pipe. And then down at the bottom where you actually have the groundwater, hopefully, you're going to have perforations in the pipe. Or uh, right at the very bottom, you may not have the pipe actually go that far so that uh, water can just flow in from that space and then fill the hole that is the borehole. That would be the water, of course, that your pump is pumping up into the house. The components would be the borehole itself, the steel pipe going down, your wellhead, you got a pump that's probably down in there. When that pump goes out, it has to be removed using heavy equipment, usually, again, depending on how deep the well is and what the access is depending on what part of the country you're in. But you're going to have that pump in there. You're going to want to uh, look around the wellhead or the pump house depending on what's there. Sometimes there's not necessarily a pump house, but you're going to want to look around and make sure that there's not anything crazy like mouse holes or raccoon cadavers located right next to the area. I have seen actually where people use the well house as a feed storage and that becomes a problem because then uh, mice and raccoons, rats, etc. like to get in there and then next thing you know they're in the bottom of your well making the water taste much more differently. So those are the kinds of things you're going to want to inspect for. Now as far as water quality is concerned Somebody could answer you a very simple question like, is this water good? And the answer is much more difficult because good could mean total dissolved solids. It could mean bacteria. It could mean fertilizers. It could mean a lot of different things. Salinity. There's actually a thing called iron bacteria that makes the water taste bad. It's not bad for you. The homeowner, it'll give them diarrhea for a week or two. And then they get used to it, and then it just gives the guests diarrhea while they're staying there. So these are things you're going to want to have on the top of your head as you're inspecting a well. You don't want to be looking for mouse access. If the water smells like, I want to say, a rotten egg gas, that's an iron bacteria. If you got the well house, obviously it's not going to be critter-proof, but you want to keep things away from that well house. I say like you know, rice or dog food or hay or what have you needs to be as critter-proof as possible. You also want to have a drainage slope at and around the well. 
So let's say that Farmer Joe irrigates his land. Maybe he does flood irrigation. Maybe he does sprinkler irrigation. But if you're getting all that irrigation water that is running directly down either into the well or next to the well, and especially if the well is a shallow variety, you're going to have some water quality issues for the family, and so you need to write that sort of thing up. Positive drainage is a key. You want to have the pump be at a high point. Now, water quality, I'd mentioned that you can have pesticides in the well itself. So as you're looking around the area of the well, you're going to be thinking, okay, what can go wrong with this well? If it's pesticides, you know, maybe uh, Farmer Joe has his well house in the middle of his hay farm or his peach orchard, whatever it is. Maybe he's got cattle around it. If this is an area where Farmer Joe is likely to use pesticides, that could very much be a concern and something you might want to write up. Again, organic chemicals could be similar to pesticides or any other chemicals that Farmer Joe uses. You could have heavy metals. You could have zinc or arsenic. And that's not necessarily something that you as the home inspector are expected to know, but you might want to just bring it up if the area is maybe in a heavy mineral type area that maybe they want to have the water tested for heavy metals. Nitrates are another thing. Now, nitrates is fertilizer. There's nitrites and nitrates, and both of them are typically sampled for private homeowner wells. Reason for that is it's a very common thing. It's actually used in fertilizer, but at higher levels it can cause what's called blue baby syndrome. And when a baby is born, they're born blue because they're short on, I believe it's oxygen. But there's been a, no shortage of drama associated with blue baby syndrome. You don't want to be the home inspector that puts somebody in a home without talking to them about nitrites and nitrates in a farm sort of community. Again, this comes from the fertilizers that Farmer Joe may often use in the area. Also, that can come from cow manure or manure of any variety. Maybe the guy's got a turkey farm or a chicken farm or whatever it is. If you got heavy manure right next to your drinking water well, that's going to likely result in a nitrite or nitrate problem. Then, of course, you got the coliform bacteria. Maybe you got a mouse drops in there. Maybe you got something else that used to be living, and then it, the wellhead becomes its tomb, and people are going to be drinking that until it's finally gone. Uh, that can be measured using a coliform bacteria test. So the answer to the question of is this water good has a hundred different answers. And so basically what you can tell them is I can tell you, you know, that I do or do not see any signs of critters getting into the area. I can tell you if I see uh, if we got a positive drainage slope in the area. Uh, you know, I can tell you maybe about the depth of the well. Now, you can probably imagine, and we're going to talk about soil types here. If you've got a clay in the area, uh, water generally doesn't drain down through clay very well at all. By contrast, if you've got a gravelly, sandy sort of material, anything that gets dumped on the surface is liable to be down at the bottom of the well, whether that well is 30 feet or 300 feet. It's going to be down in the bottom of that well very quickly. So the geology has much to do with, with water quality, and you're going to want to make sure that you take a look at at least what is on the surface 
and then make an educated guess about what the rest of the soil beneath the surface looks like. And, of course, don't go guessing enough to get yourself in trouble. You can always refer these sorts of issues out to a water quality specialist. So, stuff I would have you be aware of. We need to have the wellhead at least 50 feet away from the septic system, whether that's the septic tank or the septic lines going to the septic tank, whether you've got maybe the leach lines. We need to be 50 feet away from all the above. We also need to be 50 feet away from any livestock yard. If we've got a petroleum tank, we need to be 100 feet away from that. And if Farmer Joe has a manure stack, we need to be well away from that. Again, that's nitrites and nitrates. So that would be 250 feet. I don't think that uh, memorizing those numbers is as important as just taking a look at where the wellhead is and then putting on your pessimist hat and thinking, what is going to contaminate this wellhead? And then you look around and you provide that sort of information to your clients so they are clear on what could be going on. At that point, they can either do water quality testing if they want or whatever it is they need to do. Maybe they can fence off perhaps the cattle in the area, or move the manure pile, whatever it takes to protect the water that they are drinking. Okay, flow tests are part of the original design of a drinking water well. You will probably want to do the same as part of your inspection to make sure that uh, the well has enough capacity to flow the water that they're going to need. It is considered common for a home to require a five gallon per minute flow. Most states actually require that value. You can do this without a lot of high tech equipment. Basically what you do is you get a five gallon bucket, you put the hose in there and you turn it on. And if you can't fill that five gallon bucket up in one minute, we may not have enough flow capacity coming out of that well. If that's the case, then either the well needs to be improved or perhaps the pump inside the well, and all that can be referred to somebody else who is a specialist in that category. But if you're getting, I don't know, three gallons per minute instead of five, that's something that you can write in and basically say this well appears to be a little short on its capacity to deliver. Now, the reality is that five gallons per minute is quite a bit of flow, and if you've just got grandma and grandpa living in there, they may not ever need anywhere near that. But if you've got a family of 12 in, we have a different set of circumstances. So that will be entirely up to you to, again, use your judgment and guide your clients based on their needs and what's going on based on their family, the state they're living in, the area you're living in, etc. All part of the game of providing great customer service. Now, the well equipment condition and the sanitation, again, I mentioned this earlier, this is going to be one of your inspection points. If it's rusty, if it looks like it's got holes, if you can imagine how you could, as a mouse, get into places where you shouldn't be, if it's not fixable or inspectable, these are the sorts of things that you're going to want to pay attention to and write up as the home inspector. Okay, items that you can test for. I'd mentioned the bacteria, the nitrites and nitrates. You can actually test for iron. You can tell sometimes that you have iron or iron bacteria in the water because it will be yellow or orange. 
You can also have manganese, which is black. You'll quite often see that on uh, sinks inside the house where the sink drips. That will turn black. Water hardness is calcium and magnesium. That is eliminated with a water softener system. Just be aware that a water softener system takes out calcium and puts in sodium. Calcium is good for you. Sodium is not. So that may not always be something that a homeowner wants to do. You'll want to make sure that at least the kitchen cold, where people fill up their cups of water, you want to make sure that at least the kitchen cold is not hard. It needs to be soft water. Uh, you can have sulfides and total dissolved solids. You can have arsenic. You can even have radon in the water. Now, my training is that while you can get a measurable level of radon in water, generally radon and water don't mix. Water actually makes a very good barrier that prevents radon from getting into the home. It is listed by EPA as one source of radon, but it's a small one, and I have some doubts personally as to whether it's a significant source of any radon problem. Those are the sorts of things you can test for. You're going to want to do your own research and, and find out where the lab is that's close enough to you so that you can get more information on how to do the testing, what bottles to use, etc. Now, your casing height the casing, again, you've got the hole that is dug, and then to protect and preserve that hole, you got the casing around it. Casing height needs to be two feet above the ground, especially in flood-prone areas. Now, if you've got the wellhead where it ought to be, and you've got a positive drainage slope and nobody's flooding the area, casing height can be less than two feet away. But flood-prone areas, two feet is the recommendation. The cap condition, again, is that cap is going to be the easiest way for critters to get in there. If there is a well log, you will want to take a look at how deep that well is and just see what you can gather. Clay layers are vital in any well drilling operation because that is the barrier that keeps all of the nasty stuff on the surface from draining down and becoming nasty stuff inside the well which in turn, of course, becomes nasty drinking water inside the house. So you want to look for a clay layer and see if you can do that. If that clay layer is not there, as reported by the well log, you're going to want to bring that up to the buyer and perhaps recommend some water quality tests. If there's any inspection records, of course, those will help as well. And uh, you'll want to ask for those. Distance from potential contamination, we talked about that. Again, you know, I mentioned some numbers, 50 feet away from the septic, 50 feet away from livestock, 100 feet from petroleum tanks, and 250 feet away from manure tanks. But the big picture is just look around and make sure that there's nothing crazy that's going on. Maybe Uncle Joe is parking his car right next to the wellhead, and the car happens to be leaking oil. You know, you want to look for those sorts of things. Alrighty, to finish up this segment, I want to talk about the hole itself. Holes can be dug, they can be driven, or they can be drilled. So a dug hole is basically you and a shovel, basically. It's not going to be very deep. It is most likely to be contaminated either from just the surface, people dropping stuff in there, or maybe you've got mice that are digging down there. They find out there's water, so they get down there, and then they drown. And, you know, it's 
that's the most likely to be contaminated. If you've got a well that is driven, that's basically, and it's, it's as described, they jam whatever drill head down in there. Usually those will go, your dug wells are 10 to 30 feet, your driven wells are 30 to 50 feet. Now the problem with a driven well is as they're displacing all of that rock and soil and sand and whatever, it tends to seal up the pore spaces. So this well is not going to be as effective and productive as you would like it to be because you know those pore spaces are gone now and and you've got an effective seal at that boring area. Now, a drilled well is going to be roughly 100 to 400 feet deep, and those are kind of what you hope for as the home inspector. They're most likely to be safe because the deeper you go, the better the water is, and the less likely it is to be affected by surface water conditions. You know, Farmer Joe and his oil or his sprinklers or his manure pile or whatever it is. So drilled wells are what you're going to want to be looking for. Again, you're going to want to look for a clay layer or two in there so that we can have that much more barrier against poor water quality. Bentonite is quite often used. Basically what that is is a cement-type material that is poured around the gap between the casing and the borehole. And what that does is once it's wet and as it cures, it's going to expand and then that gives you a good seal so that water is not going down the outside of the hole and contaminating the water at the bottom of the hole. Now, of course, you can't have bentonite all the way down or you're just going to have a deep hole in the ground. Once you get down past the clays, then you can open things up and uh, collect that water that is down there. Okay, more information always at my website, homemedicusa.com. And uh, you can always go to notchi.org. Very good source for information. Thank you. Take care of your customers. Go out there. Make me proud.